Australia, like the UK, the US, Canada, New Zealand, and the rest of the Western world, is in the grip of manufactured hysteria over COVID-19. Our federal and state governments are hyping up the infectiousness and dangers of new strains of the virus, and the media is having a field day on cases and virus hotspots, lockdowns, border restrictions, mask wearing, social distancing and vaccinations are in. The cost of these measures, availability of alternative treatments are studiously ignored. Funny that. The public health system is broken. Governments are the spreaders of misinformation and the media are the propaganda agents. The media won't even ask about COVID-19 vaccines and their safety. Dr. Dolores Cahill is a renowned expert in immunology. Dr. Cahill has been an expert in the EU for some 15 years in future and emerging technologies. She is president of the World Freedom Alliance. That's a worldwide platform of organizations offering access to justice, true dialogue for health, science and politics, and holding worldwide officials to account under the law. Dolores, thank you so much for joining us once again. It's an absolute pleasure to be back, Mike. Great to talk to you again. What are the priorities for the World Freedom Alliance right now? Uh, that's a really good question. I suppose what we're trying to do is to build momentum uh, to educate people uh, in the summer and you know, and try to explain to people what is going to be happening in the next, we'll say, six months and in a year up to the end of 2025. Because... I think if people are aware of the cycle that's planned, you know, in these lockdowns and with the um, various phases of the so-called coronaviruses issue uh, around, you know, we can talk about it, you know, in detail later on, but around food shortages and around maybe they're going to bring back climate change or they're going to bring other cycles of fear, potentially internet, uh, you know, shutdowns, electricity shutdowns, and then there'll be issues around where's all the money coming from banking debt, that if people are aware of how these cycles is planned for what's going on now, that when they see, oh, there are food shortages or that the internet collapses or electricity collapses, it'll make it easier to explain. Because I suppose in the bigger picture, they know that the lull in the summertime makes it difficult to start saying that people are dying from the flu, you know, which is the uh, SARS-CoV-2 issue. So for the people who actually... Uh, have bought into the fear and the manipulation, you know, by the media, the politician and the healthcare sector, they need to keep that level in the summer. So what we're trying to do as our, you know, all of the people standing up and are aware of what's going on is organize rallies, organize educational meetings, get people together and educate them to what's going on and also to prepare. And then separately, we are looking into the rule of law and accountability and holding people to account. Now, in the World Freedom Alliance, as you know, we are just leveraging all of the, and being a network and facilitator for all of the actions that independent groups are taking around the world. Another great passion is the World Doctors Alliance. Tell us more about that. Yes, so I'm very honoured to be president of the World Doctors Alliance, but some of the main people are, you know, Dr. Zach Cox in the United Kingdom and Dr. Mohammed Adil, who's uh, from the United Kingdom and Pakistan. Um, and we're also working very closely between the World Doctors Alliance, Zach Cox, um, and Lawyers for Liberty. 
and I've been involved in putting in these notices of liability for harm and death. But the World Doctors Alliance is also pushing back on things like what I would say unlawful vaccination or coercion for vaccination for access to medical treatment. You know, the tests are entirely unnecessary and there are, I think, 150,000 um, people on the mailing list for the World Doctors Alliance and many of them are uh, doctors, specialist doctors, scientists, nurses and uh, pharmacists, as well as general people who are very now aware of what's going on. So the World Doctors Alliance is focusing on trying to uh, stop, for example, the mandatory uh, vaccinations, the so-called vaccine or green passports, and the coercion, for example, of putting unhealthy things, for example, masks onto children as well. So all of the aspects around healthcare. But I think on a positive note, there are hundreds of thousands of doctors and nurses and scientists and pharmacists and people and carers that actually are shocked and outraged by what has been going on for the last year. Um, especially we see all around the world the modus operandi has been, uh, including shockingly in the care homes, that if people were so-called positive for these SARS-CoV-2 tests, that they were denied often water and food and their own medical treatment and then just given two weeks and as I've been saying, it's like if somebody started with symptoms of pneumonia, that instead of giving them life-saving treatment like antibiotics, you just withdraw food and water and their own medication and you don't give them the antibiotics and you slowly watch them die. And then when they are nearing death, you give them the incorrect treatment. So, you know, many of there are now hundreds of thousands of doctors and nurses that are aware of what's going on and are walking away. And the good news for them is, that it's now exposing a lot of the issues. You know, previously I wrote a, an article called Adverse Event and Medical Error, that at least one in 10 people were dying from prescribed medication and medical error, and it's kind of exposing the risks associated with interacting with the healthcare system. And there are better ways, and there are uh, hugely beneficial medicines and prevention, and people can look at you know, prevent a lot of diseases with nutrition and vitamins. So I think there is a world of health that will come. It may take us a number of years to fight back what's going on now. But why we are being censored and a lot of doctors and nurses are putting their reputations and, you know, income and families and livelihoods on the line is to bring the message to people that actually we should be looking after our own health and there are many life-saving uh, cures available. And, you know, just getting vitamin D, C, zinc, and having the proper nutrition, as well as making ivermectin and hydroxychloroquine available, I would say no one need ever take any influenza vaccines again because these treatments work effectively within eight hours when you have the flu-like symptoms. So I would certainly myself never take uh, any um, vaccine for influenza or influenza-like illness again. So that's a good news. Interesting. Uh, vaccines uh, seem to have replaced natural immunity, which seems to be a thing of the past. Even the Mayo Clinic is now retroactively removing natural immunity content from its own website. Do they want us to forget that we have an immune system? I think they do. And you might remember, it seems like a long time ago, but my phrase back in May 2020 was that people uh, are immune for life when they come across infectious agents. Uh, so we have an immune system. And my area of study for 25 years is immunology. 
uh, and that our immune system, you know, keeps us healthy every day. It evolved over, you know, millennia um, and uh, it protects us, you know. And mm -hmm. I think I actually put up a meme. I'm on uh, Telegram, Dolores Cahill. Uh, and it was kind of a very funny one. It said, oh, did you hear of the pandemic that killed all of the Amish people in America who didn't vaccinate their children? And then it was like, no. Oh, no, it never happened. Right. Mm. So there are like when I was young, I am of an age that we hardly had any uh, injections or vaccinations and we are all perfectly healthy. And you can actually see the correlation uh, between, you know, I think it's in the United in the United States now. Uh, the vaccine schedule there is 72 injections before they go to school, before age five. Um, and very many, about half of them are under uh, two years old. And children, really, their immune system doesn't develop until age three, if not by age four or five. So these injections are entirely unnecessary. And as we know, there are many uh, toxic, absolutely the most toxic ingredients in the world in these injections that have nothing to do with the disease like um, aluminium, titanium, uh, iron, um, and a, a lot of these are very refined metals that only irritate the, the you know, these babies and children's bodies. And mm. mercury, aluminium are completely toxic, cause neurological symptoms, reduce cognition, autoimmune disease, and there are uh, ingredients that affect fertility and have nothing to do with whatever they're being sold for. So I think um, I've been speaking about this for many years and studying it for over 20 years. So, I mean, we do have an immune system and uh, it certainly does not boost your health or your immune system by being injected with neurotoxins and some of the most toxic things. So I, as I've been saying for a year, I will choose the immune system and eat healthy uh, and make sure that you have enough natural sunlight and uh, vitamin D and zinc. Now, I'm diverting a little bit here, but I, I just uh, find the the uh, incredible stupidity of governments for wanting us to believe their incredible actions uh, in Queensland, which we broadcast from for the uh, rest of the world. Um, the Premier, uh, Palaszczuk, and uh, the Health Department, um, and this, this couple, gave the, the lady gave birth to her child with a C-section earlier because of complications. Um, crazy as it sounds, she, she and the husband were banned from hugging the baby who was born via a C-section just in case they give her or give the baby COVID. Now, that's one case. And the other stupid thing we, we've heard, which is terrible, is that a, uh, this, this couple flew back from the U.S., they had you know, the double jab, which is another you know, another story, another conversation. Uh, they had no no COVID. They were you know, inverted commas clear, uh, but they were not allowed to see the dying father until they had quarantined for fourteen days, which would have been too late. And the reason being is that they were positive that the couple would not want to give their dying father COVID. Now, how nuts is that? Um, it is entirely uh, wrong. And I would say, you know, there's absolutely no basis for it, as you know, because if these coronaviruses are like the flu, right, they circulate four years out of every 10. So if somebody is 20 or 40 or whatever, they've seen this, you know, eight times, 16 times, 
Um, we know for the SARS-CoV-2 one back in 2002-3 that the chances of dying were one in eight million back 20 years ago. So these are in that one uh, 20 years ago, one person in Ireland died. Okay, so that means that uh, we'll say four million people in Ireland at the time their immune system protected them. And we now know that we have, you know, wonderful drugs like ivermectin, hydroxychloroquine and zinc. So what I've been saying all along, which is true, they picked the wrong virus to try and pull. Uh, so what really is going on there is they are trying to coerce people as if the uh, corporation called the state can come between uh, living men and women and their families. And we don't have to go into We can go into the law and natural law. Um, but men and women, like me as an Irish woman and all of us across the world, uh, have these inalienable rights of freedom of travel, freedom of speech and absolute bodily integrity. And the family unit is the basis of society and is the basis of uh, the natural law. And there is nothing written down that can come between the family or can infringe on your freedom of travel, freedom of speech and bodily integrity. And that's how I travel. Because one policeman at a time, you know, one airport person at a time, I go, no, I am you. You cannot coerce me into any passenger locator, uh, any PCR test, any vaccination. Uh, and if you do, it's a crime of coercion um, or potentially harassment. And that is in Ireland, for example, if you coerce someone five years in prison. And as we know, for medical professions, if they were which they're doing every day, say to someone, you can't have life-saving heart surgery, as I just had someone from the Matter Hospital, unless you take a test. In the Nuremberg uh, trials, doctors who were forcing uh, people to have medical interventions and coercions uh, were guilty of criminal offences and were given some of the highest sanctions. Um, so what they were doing is separating a family based on, you know, an absolutely um, unnecessary uh, medical intervention because SARS-CoV-2 uh, is one of these uh, infectious agents that people are already immune to. And the hype and the danger is entirely unnecessary because we have, it's like antibiotics. If it works, ivermectin, hydroxychloroquine work for everyone, save within a few hours. So really what the globalists uh, are up to is trying to bully people. And their plan is that if they can bully our generation that are adults now, and it's absolutely shameful and disgraceful what they are doing with children, is that if we don't stop it, they want in 10 or 20 years the next generation to think that it is normal for the state or the police or some authority to decide how many people at a funeral, whether you can eat outside or inside or whatever. And it's actually entirely wrong what they're doing. And it's also against the law. Um, and if our courts, our police and politicians were working properly, uh, the people who are coercing, you know, that's actually unlawful detention, you know, where they're saying they can't see their dying father, you know, coercing them to stay in a hotel. And I've been involved just on the phone um, in defending and helping people get away from unlawful detention in so-called quarantine imprisonment camps or called quarantine hotels. So I just on the phone, people ring me and I say, you are free to go. 
and they literally just open the hotel door. There are security guards that try and um, bully them or whatever, and they just say, don't touch me. I'm a free man. I'm a free woman. I'm leaving. And they leave. And in Ireland, it is the army that are transporting them shockingly from the airport to these uh, unlawful detention centers. Um, imprisonment, really. It's false imprisonment without any judge or jury. And when they say, no, I'm free, they just walk out. And just for people, maybe if they're listening, to look up, if you, it's essentially like kidnapping to coerce someone and say you have to go somewhere when essentially it's a contract. You know, they are offering you a contract that you imprison yourself, but people don't know really how, um, how it works. But in Ireland, under the Non-Fatal Offences Against the Person Act 1997, uh, to unlawfully detain someone and restrict their liberty on conviction in Ireland is lifetime in prison. So when I'm on the phone, you know, with people when they're talking to the army or to members of police, I ask for their name, you know, and they won't give it. And I inform them that what they're doing is criminal and unlawful and it's lifetime in prison. And they just won't give their name and they let the people go. So what we actually need is a case in Australia or in Ireland or around the world is that someone goes into these hotels and then they take an injunction or they report the crime, you know, for the people that are unlawful, either the hotel owner uh, or the army personnel or police that are, you know, coercing them into the hotel and then take a precedence case to the high court and they will win. And that is how we will end this whole thing across the world. But it is really shocking what's going on. Mm, terrible. Vaccines. Why aren't the vaccine manufacturers forced to collect data on safety monitoring of these vaccines and then to make it publicly available? So I think the first thing about these are medical products and people are making money, right? And, you know, the first thing is these so-called vaccines, mRNA injections are entirely unnecessary because we have prevention and treatment. But there is no public health emergency again because we have um, these, you know, prevention and treatments, ivermectin, hydroxychloroquine, vitamin D. So I think the first thing is instead of, because in the European Union, the adverse events for the four mRNA clinical trials up until the 19th of June for injuries, uh, 1.6 million injuries, people injured in the European Union. And we know that's probably only one hundredth or one tenth for injuries. So that you could be talking about 16 million or more. And there's over 15,000 deaths. So why there is some reporting of the severest injuries, there is absolutely no need for these injections. And I think what people may not have heard before is that zero of these mRNA have ever been licensed because they so many animals suffered and died in the clinical trials. So without the lockdown and the public health emergency measures, these clinical trials would be stopped immediately because they only have emergency use. That means only for as long as countries in the world declare an emergency. So that's why there is such censoring of doctors and professors and scientists to say there is no need for an emergency because we have prevention and treatment. So as we know, and I've been studying it for 25 years, there is a bigger phased um, agenda, including under Agenda 21, to reduce the life expectancy and the health. And that was published of people, you know, 
from 1992, and I read it 20 years ago. And the time frame they said when the harm and um, increase in death and reduction in life expectancy was between 2020 and the end of 2025. So the plan is for this emergency to go on for five years. Uh, and therefore, you can have these injections that have emergency use. And that is why there is such resistance, uh, you know, in all of our countries, wherever you are in the world, against uh, the vaccines, against reporting how much real harm is there and against saying they're entirely unnecessary. Um, and we should they should be stopped immediately. All of these mRNA trials, they're causing much more harm than good. Um, so they can report them. But really, it's outrageous that they're carrying on every day. And I would be calling that these mRNA clinical trials should not be given emergency use authorization. They should be stopped immediately. In the US, um, the VAERS uh, reporting system, um, and we had a uh, data analyst on uh, last week, in fact, talking about how these figures have been throttled. But I'll just read some of the the figures on the website just to uh, before, you know, so this is not real. This is just them covering up. But it says something like um, this is uh, the June 18, 2021. Uh, There were 387,288 reports, Um, uh, 6,136 deaths, uh, 21,806 hospitalizations, uh, 5,194 were disabled. Uh, 51,575 for urgent care, uh, for myocarditis, um, 1,644, heart attacks, 2,483, Bell's palsy, uh, 1,977, and 720 miscarriages. Now, we know and believe that the figures have been throttled how the hell is this still going? I mean, if this was a trial, which it is, still a trial, and you had two or three people pass away, it would have been stopped. Media doesn't report it. Uh, it's just ignored, even though it's there for people to see. Just these figures alone are enough to scare the pants off you, aren't they? Yeah, absolutely. And I will send you the information from the EU um, adverse events as well, with 1.6 million injuries you know, and 15,000. So I think what people may not be aware that normally in the world, if you have a clinical trial, if 25 to 50 people die in the entire world, the clinical trials would be stopped around the world. So there are a few questions in a way that even people who might have gone along with this in the beginning, the simple question before is simply why are prevention and treatment not be given, especially to the elderly, to prevent suffering and death? Um, But the second huge question is, uh, why are these mRNA clinical trials still going on? But I've written these notices of liability for harm and death, you know, to we've sent them in many countries in the World Freedom Alliance, but also I've personally written to our prime minister um, and president and the minister for health. But I would say that uh, everybody, if you are a medical profession or if you are in like the attorney general in Ireland or the president of the prime minister, you take an oath which, you know, requires them under the oath that we are paying them to actually, they have a duty of care and they have a lawful duty in that role. And I would say that the debts uh, rest on the shoulders of these individual people, because if our 
prime minister or minister for health or attorney general came out and said, you know, there are so many deaths every day and every week or miscarriages or injuries that if one of them came out and said, I have sworn an oath that I will protect and defend the lives uh, of the people of the nation, that they could stop this. And if they don't, they are actually liable uh, for causing the harm. And I think the sad thing will be that when the people realize who have had the injection, um, that that will shorten their lives by many years, um, that they will be extremely uh, disappointed and angry, and also if their loved ones, because we see now every day people are getting clots. So when I came out in May 2020, I highlighted the paper that we discussed the last time around the clotting, the immunopathology of the you know, mRNA injection to the SARS. Uh, those papers were published in 2012. And um, that when the families realized that there were hundreds of thousands of doctors losing their livelihoods and censoring to try and give them the information, and they only heard from the politicians and the media um, that there was this was all incorrect and all unnecessary i think there will be a lot of very angry people you know and that what we are trying to do is stop it now um and also to hold them to account now because their plan as you know is to carry on with these various uh, and other mrna injections and to coerce people we just had a report today in ireland now i don't know if it's validated that they're saying that people who are injected can eat inside in the restaurants in Ireland, you know, which is almost discriminating on your private health data, requiring almost or coercing that people get an mRNA injection that is known to cause huge injury and death. It's just absolutely outrageous, really, what's going on. And that the media that we are being censored as well to try and get the information to people. It's absolutely shocking. But I suppose... On the good news is the truth will always come out um, and the truth will unfold. And, you know, we all have as well the social media and videos so that when it comes to tribunals or court cases or people whose loved one have died, they can actually sue individually um, under the law. You know, you are responsible for harm that you cause to men and women that eventually it might take us a decade. It might take 20 years but those people will be held to account for the wrong that they're doing every day in Ireland, Australia and across mm. the world. I find also the vaccination of children abhorrent. Uh, the World Health Organization recently said more evidence is needed on the use of the different COVID-19 vaccines in children to be able to make general recommendations on vaccinating children against COVID-19. Goes on to say, so far only the Pfizer-BioNTech or BioNTech vaccine is approved for those aged 12 years and above. So those with a condition that puts them at risk can get this vaccine if possible. Do you find this abhorrent that they would, that they would even consider? And the parents go along with it because it's good for the community, would consider giving a child an experimental vaccine and they do not know the end result. Yeah, I think it's absolutely criminal. So the chances of children dying from uh, SARS-CoV-2 is zero. Absolutely zero. So therefore, uh, and also it is entirely like unethical, immoral, unlawful 
for medical professionals to be um, enrolling children in a clinical trial for something that they have no, absolutely no risk of dying at all, zero. Um, and that's well understood for over a year. And the harm, and you know, there is emerging data that now we will have to do years of research, but that many of these mRNA injections will affect their fertility in the future. And um, so there is no benefit to these children. And there's been so much information for doctors and, of course, for the regulators that the regulators around the world should just come and say and stop it. And I did read that from the World Health Organization that they said that they really do not recommend these injections for children. But really, anyone under 50 or anyone under 60, if prevention and treatment have come available, mm. no one in the world need die. And it is shocking and outrageous and I would say a crime and a crime against the young people because they are definitely getting heart attacks and becoming very ill. Mm. And, you know, the list of adverse events for children as well as adults, there's, you know, there's about 60 different diseases. It's, I would say, giving the mRNA uh, injections to people is probably the worst um, decision anyone can make for their health. And certainly it is shocking that when these parents realize that they were uh, lied to um, for, you know, a whole year, you know, because the parents are thinking that they're doing the right thing for their children and they're not. So it is shocking. And I, I am really disappointed in a way that the we haven't been able to stop these clinical trials around the world. That is a great disappointment to me. And, and I think it's um, it is unbelievable really that we mm. haven't been able to do it. Dr. Robert Malone, who's the inventor of the mRNA technology, says the vaccines may be more dangerous for at-risk groups such as the elderly. Can you explain why this would be the case? So I think, you know, when I came out and we discussed it the last on May 2020, is that what you're doing is turn, turning people that are injected, they're expressing this virus and our whole body has evolved all our lives and for millennia to keep these foreign things out. And so if you inject it through the skin with a needle, you are turning people into a virus component, you know, manufacturing machine. But why it's more dangerous for the elderly, there's a couple of reasons that when your immune system ramps up, you know, you actually, when you have a flu or an actual immune system uh, or an infection, the body and your energy goes to switch on the immune system. But if you're elderly and you have other diseases, so you might have shortness of breath or COPD or uh, arthritis of a heart issue, that it exhausts you for your immune system to suddenly or to be chronically ramped up. And so why the elderly die quicker is because they already may have one or two underlying health conditions and that they just die from the exhaustion of the body trying to ramp up the immune system. That's one reason. But the other reason is, uh, and what needs to be looked at closer is, that you really look at the vaccines as a, they are actually priming each other. So if you've, I would say the people that have the most and quickest adverse events are the elderly that would have had maybe 10 previous influenza injections because there are components in previous uh, injections or vaccinations 
that may actually be this ADE, antibody-dependent enhancement, or superpriming by the next vaccine injection. So we saw that in the Greg Wolf paper, where we saw there was um, corona in dog kidney tissue that was used in the influenza that was given in 2019 in Italy. And that's why, and I came out and discussed it in uh, May 2020, that so many people died in the Bergamo region in the spring in Italy is because 185,000 had got corona virus in the influenza uh, six months before. So this is the cytokine storm antibody dependent enhancement. So we don't really know what is in these vaccines because we don't have a biorepository. But my thinking is that you could, there could be other components in these mRNA injections. So you could have potentially people primed against future influenza, against herpes, you know, against cold sores, against warts, against future vir uh, vaccines or other influenza. So when they get the influenza shot in the next winter, they will then have a worst outcome because they've been pre-primed from previous uh, vaccinations. And I know that sounds very uh, worrying and very concerning, but uh, that is the paper that Greg Wolf had published in 2019. And that's what we've seen that happened in Italy and maybe in Wuhan. And when I discussed this in May 2020, I was asking the question in my interviews, why were the only people in regions that were previously got the uh, flu vaccine with coronavirus that had the worst outcome? And Greg Wolf had seen that in the injection of the U.S. Army in 2017, 2018, that they had the worst outcome when they were exposed to coronavirus afterwards. One in three of them had adverse events and they are healthy soldiers. So they are the reasons that they have pre-existing conditions and that there may be things in these vaccinations that are making them have worst outcomes when they are injected again or when they come across coronavirus or influenza. Interesting uh, times ahead. And it's sort of, you, you're right, the truth will come out, but it's whether the uh, population or the populace will hear the truth because the uh, mainstream media is even getting much stronger or, or better in their approach. Uh, government advertising or propaganda is is uh, having worked in the industry all my life, is uh, doing a great job in distorting the truth. Yeah, so I think it is, I suppose, for anyone who's listening to this, maybe they have some inkling what's going on. And I suppose, you know, I think that there's a duty on people like me who's been studying this for 20 years to say to people, maybe, if you were considering setting up new media, or helping people like you, you know, that we need to support it and get the message out. That's one of the main things. But I think the second thing is that they really need to look into what is behind what's going on. And there's a huge amount of information there. But you can start reading about it under Agenda 21. Um, and Rosa Corey, who mm -hmm. sadly died, and um, you know, just in the past few weeks, she had an excellent book called Behind the Green Mask. So I think why it's important to uh, talk about what's coming down the tracks is that people can prepare for what's coming. So, you know, when you say, Mike, that, well, we're not really sure and people should be afraid. 
that what I'm doing and what I'm saying to people and we're building up networks in Ireland is that we know there are going to be food shortages and we know that the government potentially will say, you know, where's all this money coming from, right? They didn't have enough money for homelessness to actually repair uh, or do really much in our society. And just overnight in the last year, they are paying people all around the world to do nothing. So there may be an engineered banking collapse or hyperinflation coming down the tracks. And they are certainly working on engineering false and unnecessary food shortages. So for people listening, it's really time to stop talking, uh, you know, or not doing too much attention to variance, PCR and case, because that is a distraction. And to literally build up their family networks, their friendship networks, start growing food, practically learn how to conserve food uh, and actually buy, you know, things to store food, get to know their neighbors um, and also to, you know, make themselves as financially secure as possible because the next year or two, sadly, we will see a lot of unnecessary but deaths because we do know that the people who have this mRNA injection, when they come across whatever is in the injection again, in the animal studies, either all of the ferrets died or many of the, of the animals died and got very ill. And I would say, sadly, that everyone who's got the mRNA injection um, will have their life expectancy reduced significantly. I put up on my Telegram channel, Dolores Cahill, um, about a week ago now, that there is a tender from the UK government for the next four years, ending the 21st of June 2025, is preparation for excessive deaths. So an enlargement of death facilities, of crematorium facilities, um, of graveyard facilities, right? So it's absolutely shocking that the government in the UK would be preparing for excessive deaths without really discussing it in the media and not telling people uh, that this is going to happen and also not doing a huge uh, research push in how to prevent deaths. And, you know, what is, it's better in a way, and why I'm saying it now, is that if people are prepared, that the people who will die will be as an adverse event from the mRNA injection, and that it will not be anything to do with SARS-CoV-2 um, or any variant. And sadly, the deaths could be significant proportions of the population, so it could be 10% of the population. So people who have the mRNA injection, I would say for me that are over 60 um, and of any kind of underlying health conditions probably will die um, within the next two to three years. And so I've been meeting people just in the last week where they say all of their, practically all of their friends who are in their 60s and 70s have had the uh, mRNA injection already. And I know it sounds shocking but i suppose i have a duty like when i came out in may 2020 saying there was prevention and treatment uh, and that if they went down the road of the mrna injection there would be significant illness injury and death which there is but i think i was aware that the all of the people essentially that would get the mrna injection will have there will be huge death 
Now, it may take two to three years. Those people may present with clotting, a heart attack, a sepsis. And what we should be doing is trying to do a lot of research to prevent those deaths. But because of, it is the immune system, it's very difficult to turn off the immune system when you inject an mRNA uh, from a foreign agent. It's it's very, very difficult. But obviously, people like me and many others will be trying to do it. So I'm just saying to you, Mike, that it's really in this summer, not really the time to be just focusing on the PCR testing and the variants. We really need to, and people listening need to do some study. And I would say Behind the Green Bass by Rosa Corey, mm. who sadly just died a few weeks ago mm. and who I was a great honor to be in touch with and I admire, um, will you know, explain it to people. She may not go into all of the deaths, but it's people like me who studied the um, carbon dioxide agenda, which is entirely unnecessary and the opposite of the truth and nothing to be a major driver of policy. And when you combine it with the undermining of the health system, in combination with the undermining of the police, the courts, um, and the rule of law in our society, and then in combination with the politicians and the media that are not challenging them, as well as in the education system and the banking system, um, we have not been well served, let's say. Um, there are dark days ahead, but people, we need to reduce the fear. I'm not trying to cause fear. I'm saying to people they have to practically prepare for what's ahead psychologically and also in food uh, and also financially and to prepare for what's coming. We had a conversation uh, the other day with a uh, former Chief Commissioner of Police in Victoria, Cal Glare, one of the great, great uh, policemen of his era and uh, my era. And we're talking about corruption and he said, uh, he said, uh, power breeds, uh, power breeds corruption, absolute power breeds absolute corruption. Uh, haven't yeah. seen such evil in my life, and it is evil. They're, they purposely let people die, knowing there was a, a cure. They kill people now and are presenting mankind with a, a nightmare ahead. Uh, evil is probably a too, too kinder of a word to use. Uh, Professor Dolores Cahill, always wonderful to have a conversation. Um, you're lucky, though, because if the world does fall apart, you've got a castle. <laughs> do you have well, to, do you have a boat? The banking, you know, as you know, the real banking crash started 17th and 18th of September 2019. I knew the pandemic was coming. Mm. Uh, I'm not a very wealthy person, but I bought it because I knew we would need a focal point for, uh, you know, the people, uh, you know, the men and women of the nation of ERA uh, to gather, to teach each other the traditional skills around surviving and food. And really networking, that's what we need to do is build communities. So I bought the castle knowing that this was coming. Um, and it's my, the brand for it is custodian. Um, and the idea is that I'm just custodian at 600 years old. It's health, heritage and our future. And I suppose what we just to finish up is that our generation are custodians of our freedom, you know, freedom of speech, freedom of travel, bodily integrity and also the rule of law, but absolutely most importantly, and I think people will be shocked when they realize that we have uh, have to be a custodian of the fertility of the people now of childbearing age, but also of children and of pregnant women. And the real 
um, war that is happening and people will only be aware in the years to come is around the fertility that will be undermined with these mRNA injections. So um, the castle is a custodian is that we are custodians of our health, heritage and our future, including the health of the people alive now. But there is an absolute attack on the fertility of uh, through these mRNA vaccinations, not just of the people injected now, but potentially for generations to come. Um, and we will talk more positively because there are a lot of solutions, as you know, mm-hmm. in health and in the rule of law. But uh, the castle and the custodian is a gathering for Ireland and the world for to be a discussion and focal point to protect our health uh, and to protect our fertility and our traditions and way of life and to keep as many people alive as we can in the years to come. Except for the burning bit, uh, you remind us very much of Joan of Arc. Uh, Do you have armour? Do you have a horse? And do you have a very big sword just in case they come knocking on your doorstep or something? Well, you know, I'm very spiritual, right? So all we need is to have love and to open our hearts. Um, And I mean that in a very powerful way, because if you do look at what is going on, is that if we um, do what we do through love and through kindness for the people we know, but also to protect the people that we don't know, but we're trying to do that through our actions and to the generations in the future, that that is really absolutely the armor that we need is uh, love, kindness, and to tell the truth. And that's all we need. And um, I've been very privileged and I know many people around the world are sending me good wishes and there are literally millions of us working together. So the armor that we have is love um, and to reach out and to support each other in these days. And there will be much brighter days ahead. Just before we go, number of website addresses. Tell us about these. Well, my websites are DoloresCahill.com and then Custodian.com, uh, which is the health movement and the food movement that I'm working on, C-U-S-T-O-D-E-A-N.com. And of course, you're, everyone is welcome to visit uh, worldfreedomalliance.org and uh, worlddoctorsalliance.com. And I also am one of the main communication formats I have is on Telegram, which is censorship free. And that's if people just search for Dolores Cahill on Telegram. And I am posting now myself every day, more or less as well. Uh, including uh, tracking all of the things that I'm up to. So, Mike, thank you very much for giving me the opportunity. It's an absolute pleasure to be on with you again. And that's it for Asia Pacific Today. Thank you very much for joining us. I'm Mike Ryan.